0: Hey, that was pretty bad. The Raptors losing 119 to 104 to the now 15 and 2 Warriors. So don't feel too bad. This team is a buzzsaw, regardless of who they play. A very impressive collection of players. And on top of that, Clay Thompson is on the horizon for the Warriors. Exciting team, exciting times for the fans there. The Raptors losing. This is the Raptors Reaction Podcast. I'm Rose Sampson Folk. And this was probably the Raptors out of their depth defensively, I would think. They sold out to guard Steph Curry and they did a hell of a job doing it if you just look at that in a vacuum. 12 points, 2 of 10 shooting. Fred VanVleet did, I would say, a really good job tracking him off ball. Some of those possessions where he was on ball, he was just sublime. That was super awesome to see. But the Raptors, as we know, as anybody who listens to this podcast knows, anybody who pays attention to the Raptors at all, their scheme really wants to overhelp, wants to rotate. And when you do that, when you're constantly putting yourself in rotation where some other teams might not, it means that your defense runs a risk of being significantly more bent out of shape and you're going to surrender easier shots when you're one pass away rather than other teams. Where one pass away, three-point shot attempts are not as big a deal because they can cover them easier because their closeouts don't have to be as out of control they can be more in control because they're closing out in closer proximity. The Raptors, they sell out hard for these steals, they sell out hard for the turnovers and trying to get out in transition. The Warriors with Steph with, you know, Draymond and honestly like Poole and Wiggins in this game, I thought made great decisions with the ball and, you know, like Jordan Poole finished with five turnovers. Steph Curry finished with four. Was that the end of the world No, No, it was not. And the Raptors, that defensively in this one, out of their depth, I would say, they cannot keep up with the ball movement of the Warriors, especially since the Warriors run so many actions. Like, this is something that people have, well, I've heard Warriors fans complain about a lot, is that the Warriors don't just run enough pick and roll. And it's because Steve Kerr is obsessed with running a ton of actions, off-ball stuff, decoy stuff primary stuff. And the Raptors, a team who wants to overhelp, were very, very preoccupied with that. And so what happens? Well, 22 threes happen on 45 attempts. That's right. 22 threes on 49% shooting for the Warriors. And that is just, that is hellfire, dude. Uh, Not many teams can take a barrage like that from downtown and survive. And the Raptors certainly with their offense are not equipped to go toe-to-toe with that kind of firepower. And certainly, they did not. That's the biggest reason the Raptors lost this game. They kind of, they, towards the end of the game, they started defending quite a bit better. The shots still kept falling in because at that point, the Warriors were just a little bit unconscious. But they started treating Draymond Green like he didn't exist when he was above the free throw line. Just like, don't even pay attention to Draymond unless he's at the basket. Then we'll figure something out. I thought that was a good adjustment. And the Raptors were kind of making a run towards the end there, like one of their, you know, the famous fake comeback, right? But the thing is, and this is something, (laughs) watching the Raptors cycle through their rotations in this game, it's patently clear that Scotty Barnes, and I've been saying this for some time, and this is not meant to be a harsh critique because he's a rookie. And I always, he's a rookie. He plays the position of a big He defends in proximity to the basket, not to a man a lot of the time. It's hard to get the spacing down in the NBA for rotations. You're taking an extra step here. You're taking an extra angle here. Like that kind of stuff, it matters. And it's hard to pick up that nuance on the fly in the NBA. Most bigger players take a while to learn how to defend the NBA space. But Scotty is very, very bad defensively right now. Off ball. On ball, sometimes he's ill-equipped to defend who he's guarding. Against those bigger wings, he's awesome. He's really great. Against the smaller guards, though, He's his foot speed isn't as quick as them. You know, they're bursty, quick guards. They can get by a lot of players. If they can get by Fred Van Vliet, they can get by Scotty. And so he's being put in tough positions sometimes on ball. And then off ball, as I've said before, he's a bit of an astronaut. He floats out. He makes the wrong rotation. He'll take another guy's rotation. Then somebody has to cover for him. And you're asking guys to cover with communication and without it. And so, once you make somebody cover for you where they weren't supposed to, it sets the whole defense into a rotation when it's Raptors. Like, Fred might have to cover for who Scotty rotated to because Scotty rotated to the wrong guy. Fred drops to Scotty's guy. Then Pascal has to lift to Fred's guy. And then Precious has to drop to uh, Pascal's guy. Like, that is what happens in this defense. And rarely does it work out that way what's typically happening is Scotty will leave to the wrong guy. Fred will try to cover. Pascal will try to cover. And then somebody misses rotation. Or the Warriors correctly identify that, wow, there's a lot of motion in this defense. Let's cut against it or form up off of it. Hit a three, get a layup, something. And that's, the Raptors are susceptible if they're not extremely cerebral on that end. And they haven't been as of late. And even during the start of the year, I think it was just, They were very overwhelming against teams in the early part of the year who were, you know, figuring out some of what they wanted to do. And they were getting turnovers and they were playing aggressive. But I I thought before the season, and this isn't a victory lap, this is just something that may be true, maybe it won't be. But I thought with the Raptors' talent on the defensive end, I expected them to underperform it. I didn't expect them to be this extremely good defensive team. And they're certainly not 30th in the league which they've been ranked over the past however many games. They've been bad. But I didn't think they were like fifth or sixth where they were sitting at the start of the year. There were some luck-adjusted numbers in there with percentage of three-pointers allowed that weren't really factored into whether they were defended well or not. It was just variance. They were sitting on the right side of variance for a few of the games off the start. And, you know, on the other side, too, they were shooting a lot better from the mid-range, for example, than... Maybe we we could have come to expect, but hey, the Raptors just played a now fifteen and two team. They're the best team in the league currently, by record, perhaps at the end of the year, by status as well, they could be the champion, they could be the winners, they could take it all, man, and these are the warriors, and the Raptors, they could not contend with it they were i they were outgunned in this game, and I don't even know a more you know, moderate or a calmer defensive scheme, one that features, you know, the stylistically something a lot closer to like Milwaukee, for example. Uh, I talked about this with Joe Wolfond, and he, what he brought up is some teams are moving away from the traditional like rim protector style, and he, he mentioned the Heat as well. The Heat defend closer to the Raptors than they do to the Bucks. But if you wanted the Raptors to do something more conservative, they probably don't have the pieces for that either. And even though Fred Van Vliet is one of the preeminent guard defenders in the league and maybe the top tier Steph Curry guard defender, well, Steph Curry defender in the league, putting him in pick and rolls against like a drop defense, asking him to lock and trail. I don't know if it would work, man. I think the Warriors were just the better team tonight. And with that being said, there were some positives out of this game. And this positive... Comes with a giant, and I mean giant peeve of mine. If you listen to this podcast, you know that I've been kind of railing against the current dialogue around Pascal Siakam, who now in five of the last four out of the five last games has scored over 20 points. His, I'm pretty sure he's probably at this point averaging like 18, seven, and four on close to 50, 40, probably 75 splits for a guy who's coming back from injury a surgery that kept him out for months and months this was his 7th game it's those aren't like those aren't all-star splits but they're good as he acclimates and he just had a great stat line and a great game 21-6 and 2 against the best team in the NBA 8 of 17 from the floor 3 of 6 from downtown he had 3 layups roll out and you know there's a warriors fan um who was you know He said he's never seen anybody have more stuff roll it than Pascal. Eventually, you expect him to start rolling in. They did for the first few years of his career anyway. He was great, and a lot of the rotations that he made defensively were sterling. I'm writing the recap for this game, and I'll put some of the defensive plays he made in the recap. He was good defensively, and was he he mistake-free? No, of course he wasn't. But he was good defensively in a dysfunctional defense. A lot of the times you would see he would cover for a guy. A lot of the times you would see he would make the right rotation. And then the guy behind him would not make a mistake. And it's like, there's a bunch of people making mistakes. And this was my God. When people were picking on Pascal for the Utah game saying, oh, he was the bad defender. It's like, dude, everybody was the bad defender. It's hard to even make a singular good defensive play in defense that dysfunctional. The Jazz tore them to shreds. Tonight, the Warriors tore them to shreds, but you can still easily find, and I will, signature defensive plays from Pascal Siakam and good ones. And this brings me to my peeve, the dialogue. Alvin Williams on the home broadcast is calling Pascal selfish. He's headed to the free throw line He's, after earning free throws on Draymond Green, he's one for three from the field. He isn't eating a bunch of possessions. Fred is one for four from the field at this point. Gary Trent Jr. is 0 for five. Nothing bad to say about either of those guys, but why the fixation on Pascal, who is absolutely not playing a selfish brand of basketball? And also, you could hear... On the broadcast, slanted commentary anytime Pascal made a mistake. And by the way, Pascal was far and away the best Raptors night. Far and away. And he also, quote, that's the thing about it. The night before could be completely different than the next night. End quote. He said that after Pascal missed at the free throw line. Okay, he missed a couple free throws, dude. But Pascal just had one of the most efficient 30-point games in NBA history, and in fact, the most efficient 30-plus-point game in Raptors history the night before. How could you take that special game and make it a referendum on where he was that night, especially when he finishes with 21 points on efficient numbers after being guarded by a Defensive Player of the Year candidate, Draymond Green? what are you doing? This is reckless. So many people listen to you, and you're giving this slanted, negative commentary towards this guy who is good and is playing good. And people listen to you, man. The, the broadcast has a lot of influence on people, and that bugs me. He does not deserve slanted commentary like that. It is so, so uncalled for. I, I don't get it. That, that, to me, is very upsetting. And, like, it's just a complete lack of imagination or scope or understanding of Pascal's game whatsoever. And of course, Pascal finished this game as the best player on the floor. When he was one for three from the floor, it wasn't because of a bad process. He rimmed out on like two layups and he missed a mid-range jumper. And keep in mind, he's just being given post-ups against Draymond Green. Is he asking for those? Is that what's drawn up for him and that's all? I don't know. But when you watch Fred Van Vliet is getting Spain pick and roll possessions and screen help and all this stuff to assist him to get his guy off of him, and Pascal is just being set at the 45 and saying, score one on one against Draymond Green, one of the greatest defenders in the history of the NBA and who is still a vaunted defender. And you get guys who are like, hey, man, he's one for three at this point. You never know what you're going to get with this guy. Meanwhile, he just topped off fourth game out of five with 20 plus points. His numbers on the year are solid. He's been solid. It's reckless. It's silly. It's negative. And I don't, I I just disagree with that wholeheartedly. It's lazy. It's subscribing to narratives that fans peddle instead of people who are actually plugged into his game. You, You have to be better than that. If you're the voice of a team, you have to be better than that. That's my pet peeve. He wasn't calling out anything of merit. He wasn't calling out anything substantial. He was just peddling narratives that fans say when they don't like what's going on and they're just not true at all. That's oh jeez, dude. Not a fan. And I like Alvin, and I I don't I hope he doesn't do it again, but that's just lazy. That is such a lazy commentary. But yeah, Pascal was awesome. He he was super good. It's it wasn't easy to score the way he did against the Warriors, he scored inside the arc from the mid-range, he worked on Draymond a couple times, he took a couple mismatches, he hit three threes. When they were sinking on him, he said, fine, I'll take the jumper, he hit them. And as I said, defensively, signature plays, he was good. Another guy who was awesome in the second half, I would say, tough first half for him, but that's okay. Second half, Scotty Barnes hit a couple threes, I had a really nice finish on the short roll, pound dribble, jump stop, maneuvered into space, had an end one like awesome, awesome play for Scotty Barnes after setting a screen short rolling. I love to see that. And then also, you know, the passing his passing in this game was it was very nice, particularly the lob he threw to precious Situa in the fourth quarter, I believe, where. You could see it's like this Kyle Lowry-esque management of the lanes in transition. He took up two defenders himself because he knew that Precious was streaking down the wing. And he's like, I want that lane to stay open. I want the guy in the middle of the floor to pick me up. And he had a guy on his back in jail. He's like, I want to maintain both of these lanes. I want to draw both of their attention so I can throw the lob when he gets there. Led Precious right into it. Easy lob. Those are really great plays to make for a young guy, especially with his length. And another guy who was awesome all game, Delano Banton, probably his best game, I think. He didn't have those long, he didn't have the super long like layups in transition and these end-to-end huge baskets. And he didn't look like Magic Johnson in this one. But as far as above-the-break play, he's it was such a nice change of pace from what we've seen where Typically, it's just handoff stuff. Nothing's really happening. He had a pick and roll where he just threw this absolute dart to Chris Boucher. His height, his length helped him find that one. He had a snatch back for three. He had a mid-range jumper and he made a couple really high-level passes. That was so nice to see from Donald Banton. And Fred Van Vliet, who guarded Steph Curry extremely well all game, on top of that, dude, he was awesome in the, in the second half. He really figured it out. That jumper came around in a mean way and like rapidly had a couple great passes. And that's the thing offensively. I don't have much to complain about this game. The Warriors are a really good defensive team. They put the Raptors in uncomfortable positions. It's true. But here's the thing. The Warriors are the better team. There is no way that this Raptors roster you play the Warriors a hundred times. They shouldn't win 20 of those games. It's just this Warriors team is damn good at basketball. And this Raptors team, they're trying to make it work. They're finding an identity. All that different stuff. Gary Trent, um, three for 16 from the floor. As Like, this isn't a referendum. Guys are allowed to have bad games. Gary Trent has been absolutely stroking it off the bounce in the mid-range, you know, over these past few games. We saw last year, he's like... You know, and over his career, he's, he can be up and down. Like, he can just have these incredibly high highs, which he has been. He's just shooting the hell out of the ball lately. And then this game, just shots didn't drop. Three for eight from downtown, though. That's a, that's a super positive thing. It, but it also means that his eight shots inside the arc, he went 0-4. That's not good. But still, the fact that he was three for eight from downtown while struggling with his jumper and struggling to get to spots that helped that's helpful because he always needs to be able to punish teams from three. The mid-range stuff is extra stuff that happens when he's working in the mid-range and helping close out possessions as like a, not a buzzer beater guy, but you hand the ball to him. You say, see if you can save a couple offensive possessions. He's been good at that this year. He, he, like, he really, really has. And is it sustainable? I don't know. We'll need a full season to tell. He's going to be here taking those shots all year and you know, into the future. So, you you just wait and see. See if that really is a huge part of his game. In this one, though, he struggled with it. And as we know, it's not in his game to be a playmaker or to get to the rim. So, it's no surprise on that end. But a bit of a shooting funk tonight. Not too worried about it. Ken Burch kind of muted in this game. I feel bad for him because when the Raptors play defense like they did tonight and the passing is like what it was from the Warriors, what is he expected to do really? Because Pascal Siakam can slide down to guard threes and he can he can catch up on a lot of plays and court coverage, as can OG Ananobi. And if Scotty Barnes is really on and feeling it, he can do it too. But Kem is a bit bigger than those guys and slower. He's quick for his position, but he's slower than them. And so when you put him in this position that's like heavy rotation, heavy rotation, court coverage, court coverage, he's just way more muted defensively. And that's where the Raptors, you know, if they're not getting those turnovers, if they're not get, getting runouts in transition all the time, then Kem is less of like a calm center of the of the defense and more like a misplaced guy who's trying to he's just way out of his element. He's not he's not built for that type of defense. He's when it's going really well and the last rotation is left to him and he can swing over and there's a dig down coming while he can test a shot, all that kind of stuff good. He's making sharp rotations in sharp, short rotations, I should say. And he in a game like this was being asked to make long rotations, which also means that it was super fun to see Precious play the way he did. Precious was a plus in this game. In fact, the whole bench was. That's a very cool to see because Precious, one of the by the numbers, the better rim defenders in the NBA this year, but also by the numbers, one of the worst offensive players in all of the NBA. Provides no spacing. And, you know, he hit a three tonight, but he doesn't provide spacing because teams don't want to touch him out there. They don't care. Shoot the ball precious is what they say. And as far as working into space on offense, he doesn't really have a good idea of how to find space and manipulate it as an off ball guy yet. And so a lot of times he can just look very out of place on an offensive possession. And the Raptors, until he's an offensive rebounder, seems like they're playing four on five. Tonight, found a better pace for himself. Helped board. I thought his defense. He changed shots. Took big steps. Big rotations. Was pretty good. Pretty happy with Precious's game. Boucher, uh, a tidy stat line for sure, and that's all you want from Boucher is because his defense, man, it it really it goes up and down every game. It's that's the hardest thing for him is defensive consistency because offensive consistency last year was. No problem. And that's basically that's all you're looking for from Chris Boucher at this point in time is just for him to recapture his efficiency on offense and to provide a little bit of punch. He did in this game, and it helped the bench units that were were trying to score. Like Precious and Chris Boucher combining for 22 points off the bench is a huge, huge win for the Raptors. And to to pair that with Delano, who's seven, three, and three and Svee, who was seven, one and three, is just a nice little effort from the bench tonight. I liked it. Flynn had eight minutes and uh, not of significant consequence, but he had two steals. He was active on the defensive end. Looked pretty cold as far as his offensive performance. Didn't look comfortable off the bounce. Uh, had a late shot clock possession where he kind of p- is a push shot. He hit the side of the backboard. And it's like, damn, he's putting being put in such tough positions. It's It's tough to see, but yeah. That's the Raptors, man. They they played a really really great team tonight and their scheme made it look like they were just absolute food heading into this one. And there was, you know, a lot of encouraging stuff from them. A 15-point loss is never good, but there was a lot of good things that happened for them in this game. Pascal was relentless in the way that he got to his spots. He worked hard, he was diligent, had a lot of, you know, nice defensive plays. Scotty had a really, really tough first half, rebounded nicely, went to the jump shot, hit a couple, operated well in space in the second half. And like, that's all you want, man. And Fred also, that 6-0 run he had in the fourth quarter with the, the two threes, it was like, whew, that's really nice. And then Precious and Boucher providing, you know, real punch for the front court in the, in the second half there. Prim- primarily, that was, that was nice. Although some of it in those garbage time minutes. But hey, that's life. The uh, Reggie Evans Award. I'm giving it to precious man. Let him do his thing. Okay, top quick reaction comment. Looks like a lot. Uh, Okay. I read it. I'm not reading it on air. This is so stupid. And shame on you guys for upvoting this. There is no understanding of basketball in here. Pascal who's been really good is being blamed for a one the 1 and 6 record while he's in even though other players have been objectively very poor and not because of him because of themselves keep that in mind it also suggests that this game was fred's fault okay here's the thing dude if if Gary Trent Jr starts out 0 for 5 is 3 for 13 in the first half 1 for 10 at one point what does fred do huh what does fred do there and how about this saying that Scotty Barnes is a Luca type player. And clearly you're making the case that heliocentrism. Here's the thing, dude. Scotty Barnes is great. I'm excited for his career. He's not a Luka-type player. That's absurd. Why are you guys upvoting this? And also like saying to fire Nick Nurse, who are you hiring instead? My God, you guys upvote this stuff. Really? That's what you upvote. You guys look at this and you say, hell yeah, Uh, trade Pascal because they're one in six because of him. You guys watch these games? You see he's the best player on the floor tonight? And uh, I, do you think that he marginalizes the other players? What is the case you're making for that outside of just pointing to a win-loss record? Uh, what, are you, what are we saying? There's no understanding of basketball here. And you guys upvoted this as the top one. Good Lord. That's, no. Not, not interested. <laughs> not interested, my God. Anyway, thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed it, whether you got into this in the morning or at night. Have a blessed day and goodbye.